I've, I always think of a couple of teachers like Mr. Mattingly and Robert Slater and uh, Mr. Kelly, who was super mean but taught us so well. He was so mean. He'd keep the classroom on, at 65 degrees always. And he said, you bring a jacket if you're cold. No one's falling asleep in this class. I was like, I love you so much. You're like a North Korean, right? <laughs> uh, but I was just thinking about uh, these teachers that just, just really shaped my world because they cared enough to like push you further than you could ever go. Uh, I just want to, before, uh, I just want to talk a little about baptism. If God has changed your life and you've made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life and you've never been baptized before, next week we are having baptism. Uh, so you come with change of clothes. Next week we're having baptism. All right. And uh, we're going to have a class at 9 o'clock. And I am just so excited to just, this is a part of your journey. I was telling uh, Julie, it's part of your pilgrimage, you know, that you go on with, with Christ. It's, it's just your next step of, of obedience more than anything else, more than the feeling, more than this, that, or the other thing. It's a step of obedience to be baptized. So please be baptized. Sign up at infomyhillcity.com, uh, .org, my bad, and, uh, and just super excited to be there. But uh, today we're on part five of the series, Storyteller. And we're exploring parables of Jesus. And, and what a parable is, is short stories that point to the realities beyond themselves, challenging us to hear, to consider, and act in light of God's revealed reality. So the goal of parables is to read yourself into the parable. You read yourself into the parable. And, and, you, and, you, and out of it, we become, there's a, a process, and we, ca we can call it sanctification, a growth into your faith. And what it's, we're doing, we're moving into a deeper way of being human, human like Jesus. And he says these words, those who have ears, let them hear. He's saying, if you hear this, move towards it, walk towards it. So today, Christian and I, we have, uh, our goal is uh, to remind you, more than anything else, to remind us in this room who God says you are. This is huge. It's a no small deal. Your identity, your identity, because what we believe about God reveals what you believe about yourself. And, and, and so with that in mind, if you have your Bibles, please go to Matthew chapter five. All right. And we're going to walk right into that. We're going to walk right into that. So last week, I was, I was uh, listening to a, a podcast, right? And any, anyone listen to podcasts? Anyone addicted to podcasts? You podcast too much, right? Do you know 43% of people listen to at least six hours of podcasts a week? Six hours. I was like, oh, that's a lot of hours of podcasting. Who would do such a thing? And then I time myself. I'm like, 10 hours of podcasting. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you? Candace knows what's wrong with me. But you guys might not. But I was listening to a podcast. We were li I was listening to a Navy SEAL on last week's podcast. His name is Dan Crenshaw, and he's the senator from Texas who has the eye patch. You might know him from Saturday Night Live. Uh, but he was a Navy SEAL, and he was giving lessons about being Navy SEAL and going through Hell Week and Bud's training. You guys ever watch Bud's training on, like, the History Channel, right? It's like... I would never do that, right? I just watch them as, as I'm eating like my Cheetos. I'm like, oh, they haven't eaten all day, right? And the, but Hell Week, I, I, is the, I, if you want to put the picture of Hell Week up, this does not look pleasant. This does not look good. These guys are, are, are crying, many of them. And the goal of Hell Week is to make you quit. That's the goal. 
they are trying to make you quit. They, they give you f- for five days straight with a total of four hours of sleep. Think about that. Five days straight, four hours of sleep. If I got four hours of sleep, I'm not very nice, right? But they want these instructors. They're trying to take you to where you've never been before mentally and physically and as a team. Putting teams so much under so much pressure that they literally quit. We all quit. They practice hypothermia, which is, sounds great, right? They practice drowning, which is like a fear of mine. So when I think about practicing drowning so that they resuscitate you, does not sound awesome. It's like, so what they're trying to do is test you to see if you still follow the commands as you are drowning and passing out underwater. I'm like, why? Why? Right? And, and he said this, hell week produces growth under pressure and suffering that gives a soldier confidence when they're in the battles themselves uh, that, that they've faced so much hell week that the battle itself seems easier. So he said, even when I got my eye blown out of my face, I was very calm because I've been through much. I was like, that is interesting. That is interesting. And then he said these words. This is how Navy SEALs think. And I want you to hear me right here. Those who have ears, let them hear. You are already a Navy SEAL before you get here, he said, before you get to Bud's training. Hell week just makes you prove it. It reveals the SEAL in you, who you already are. I thought that was a very interesting statement. Hell Week doesn't show, doesn't make you a seal. Hell Week reveals the seal already in you. Already in you. And with that in mind, we're going to read our verse here. What Jesus speaks over us. He says in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You, say you, say me, say us, we, all right, that's good. That's good. You guys, are, you guys are sharp today. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salty? How, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14. You, we, us, me, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house, in the whole house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is not just telling you. He's making an identity statement of who you are. And if you know when he spoke this, these people, they weren't lights of the world, right? These people, they weren't salt of the earth. Jesus was telling his followers then, and he's telling you today, who you are before you are. Who you are before you are. See, salvation in Jesus brings us a new identity, a new identity. So the identity that we might have today, Jesus wants to transform it and give you his identity. I think many of us in this room, we need his identity today. Exactly. And I just really want to ask that question. What does it mean to be saved? I think um, it means two different things. It means to be saved from and to be saved for. I think a lot of believers, we use the word saved as a term to like you know go to heaven but i think it does mean being rescued from something um and even in the scriptures paul writes 
that being saved means so much more. Um, we began to be, you know, we're rescued from death. In Ephesians 2.1, it says, we are dead um, in our trespasses and our sins, our sin. Ultimately, it kills us. It separates us from God. This is a physical and spiritual death. So I just really want to emphasize the point of salvation is a salvation from death. It's being rescued from death. Um, death begins when we, you know, give our hearts and our lives to things that are not God. Because God is a source of life, of real life. We begin to, you know, worship idols, things that are not God, whether that be money, sex, power. It begins to defile the image of God that's in us and in others. Sure, there's, you know, some pleasure in it. You know, sin is fun for a season, but ultimately... It will never give us the life that we're looking for, that fullness, that wholeness, that shalom or peace, the purpose. So again, I just want to really emphasize that we are being saved from sin. We're being saved from death now and eternally. But what are we being saved for? That second part. We're being saved for a purpose in this generation, not just you know, like a, a means to an end or like an escapism, but we are being saved for right here, right now, for an authentic relationship in God and with God, for his glory and our good. That's right, our good or pleasure. Um, in John 10, 9 through 10, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In Psalm 16, it says, You make known to me the path of life. We ask ourselves, where is this path leading? It leads to the presence. There is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Think about that for a moment. God wants to lead us into a fullness of joy into a pleasure forevermore. If we believe this is all true, then the only place we can find that same fullness to complete our God-shaped desires, the only place where we can find that path to live the fullness of joy, this ultimate fullness and pleasure, life abundant, is in God alone. I don't know if you guys heard that. In God alone. Not just from God, but in God. Not just a commodity as a means to an end, but in him, living in him. That pleasure is a part of the good news. Jesus Christ came to save us from sin to himself for his glory and our good. From everlasting and ever-increasing pleasure in his presence. What does that mean? That we can fall in love with him. That we can lean on him and abide in him as he is in the Father. See, in our trusting and that abiding and laying down our own lives, there's a resurrection. A resurrection of our joys, of our greater freedom, you know, that no longer slaves to sin, that ability to not be slaves to things that we want, our desires that are, you know, growing on inside of us. But also a resurrection of our identity, of love and power, ultimately to be satisfied by God. And so in the words of John Piper, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him.
Amen. I love that. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. This is a very interesting thought. It's a very deep thought. Think about this for a moment. When I am most satisfied, when, I'm, when I am most full of God, that is when God is most glorified, when God is the biggest in my life. So God and I, we are after the same thing. You, we, we think that, oh, going after like this, this sense of needing and pleasure and this sense of like, like oh, fulfillment. We think that's like a negative thing. No, that's something God has put in us. C.S. Lewis said we just do it so cheaply that we're not hungry enough that we settle for the, for he calls it mud pies uh, in, in, the, in the dirt when he has feasts waiting for our life. But we just settle, and we settle for this little bit that satisfies us for a moment when God has something he wants to satisfy. It says pleasures forevermore. God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in him. It's so good. And so out of this identity, you become who God says you are. And he says to us in Matthew that you, you are the light of the world. We might look around and say, someone else needs to really change some stuff, right? <laughs> Jesus is like, I know you don't see it right now because you're seeing your life and it's busy and there's things to do. But he's saying, you, you are the light of the world. You, I want to reflect my life in you. I want to grow my love in you. You're the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. So think about this with me. When Jesus says there's light, there has to be darkness, right? And we know there's darkness in this world. People and places in dark and dire situations all around us. Even in this room today, we don't feel like light, right? Some of us, we're going through some of the darkest times in our lives, and we don't feel like, God, you must be talking to some other person because I don't feel like light, right? And the people that Jesus were talking to during that day and today, they didn't feel like light. They felt like there is no way he's talking to us. Who is he talking to, right? Who is he talking to? And he says, no, I, before you are, I'm going to tell you who you are because of who I am, and I'm going to go into that. So when he gives, talks about salt, right, it might not be as clear in our culture because we salt is like $2 for a giant thing of salt, and it's at Drea's house all the time, right? She uses a lot of salt. I won't talk anymore. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But it might not look clear in our culture, but Jesus is saying there's a decay in our culture. There's a rotting away, and salt is a preservative. It's an antiseptic. So Jesus is talking about a counterculture. So this is interesting. Jesus is talking about a counterculture in culture. Sometimes we feel like I want to be a counterculture outside culture, right? I want to tell what's going on. I want to point my finger and say, look what's going on in there. And Jesus is like, no, if you want to be salt, you got to be in culture. The only way we can change culture is in culture. If you want to change how business is ran, you have to run a business. If you want to change how politics is done, you got to vote. Yeah. If you want to change how what's going on in the church today, you got to be involved in the church today. If you want to change how your children are, you got to be involved in your children. You can't just say, my children are a mess. Right? And guess what? My children are a mess. Right? They, got, they need you. They need a counterculture in culture, not outside culture, pointing fingers and saying, 
Mm, mm. No, they need someone in culture to step up and say, this is how Jesus ran it. This is what it means is to have the heart of God. You got to be a counterculture in, God, in, in culture. See, what good is light hidden under a bowl? What good is salt if it has no saltiness? When we detach, and this is so big for Christians because we want to be culture, right? But when we detach from our identity in Christ, when we detach from that, detached from the gospel, detached from God, we become a dull light. And guess what? No matter how cool and how much you fit in, no one likes a dull light. They're like, eh, it's all good. They're just like me. No one likes tasteless salt. We put salt on because we want some taste, right? You ever had beans with not enough salt? Not good. Not good, right? Yeah. See, that's our problem, Jesus is saying, if you lose your taste, if you lose your brightness, you're the same. When we get caught up in the same stuff after the same things that everyone else is caught up in, you're the same. When, but God has a call for you as teachers that we were talking about today. That we want, we want Christians to be the very best teachers because they're in love with God and they believe they're the light of the world. We want Christian construction workers, followers of Christ, to be the best construction workers. We don't want you to be like junk on your job and then say, praise the Lord. Jesus was like, you're not light, dude. Right? We want the best engineers because you have a purpose in you that's greater than you. So you work it out in that way. You are the light of the world. Church, you are most satisfied when you go all in, conspiring with God as light and salt, bringing heaven's rule into all the spaces God has you. Christianity is not listening to some Korean guy talk about some Jewish guy. It's not, right? It's about being full in, conspiring in your workplace, conspiring in your home with Jesus. You're like, I can't wait, man. I can't wait till God moves here. I'm going to start believing his words over my words. See, when we see with our eyes, sometimes we think nothing can happen. But we got to start conspiring with what Jesus did. He came at a horrible time in history, an awful time in history, if you think about it. It was an occupied Jerusalem, right? The Hebrew people were occupied. They had no hope. If you would have told them that Jesus was going to change everything, they would have laughed in your face, right? And in the first Caesar, the second Caesar, when they were being persecuted and killed and Nero's circus, they were being lit on fire. If you would have came in and you would have told them one day Rome is going to be filled with churches, and people are going to worship God. And the Roman Colosseum, instead of full of blood, it's going to have a giant cross in the middle. Guess what they would have done? They'd have laughed in your face. But then these crazy Christians in culture started changing their culture. Do you know where they made the greatest impact? The rise of Christianity. Rodney Stark talks about the greatest impact Christians ever made was during the plagues. During the plagues, when the plagues where people were dying by the tens of thousands, tens of thousands, Christians didn't run from Rome. All the rich Romans ran away from Rome. They ran into Rome because there were people dying. They started hospitals, and they died in their own homes taking care of Romans who hated them. And they said, maybe there was a message. Maybe there's a love greater than I could ever imagine that is found in Christ. 
Maybe this Jesus thing actually is something incredible. And it started to change the atmosphere of that culture. And if you go to Rome today, it's just filled with giant churches reminding you that Jesus changes everything. Everything. And I know we might feel like, I don't know. We got to start listening to what God has said about you. You, me, we, us are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We bring heaven down into our businesses, into the gym. Bring heaven down into your gym. When you're doing 10 reps, do five reps, then talk to your neighbor, right? Get, man, start talking to them because it's funny. Even at the gym, I have some awesome conversations because we're, we're ready, understanding you and I, we, us, we're the light of the world. And whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. And God is not calling us out of something. I believe he's calling us into something today, into something, into this thing called new life, into his marvelous life. See, there's a story that I was told when I was a kid. It was about an eagle who fell out of its nest and was found by a farmer, right? And the farmer took the eagle, the eaglet, and took it into the chicken coop, right? And it was raised as a chicken. This eagle grew up doing chicken stuff, living, living this chicken life, pecking chicken seeds and eating chicken worms, right? Making chicken noises, and all he knew was the chicken life. All of us know that eagles are the king of the sky. They soar for miles and miles. They're apex predators, this magnificent giant creature. But just imagine, due to the lack of understanding of identity of what that eagle was, he lived the chicken life, stuck on the ground when his life was meant to soar. We have an enemy and the goal of our enemy is to take away our identity. I mean it. Chip, it chips it away. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. When we start listening to the enemy instead of God, because if you knew who you were, our enemy would shudder. And if you knew who you really were in Jesus, you would be so surprised. It is no small thing. It is no small thing. You play no small role in your generation today. So in the gospel, God is restoring our identity, and he's telling us who we are. But when, when are, when are we going to actually believe that? When are we going to believe my business is for the Lord, that this is not just something I do. This is something God's working in me, believing God over culture, God over feelings, God over words. And I mean this, words, some of you, the worst words were ever spoken to your life. And it's still, when you think about yourself, those Stupid words start ringing in your mind. You guys, any, anyone with me? Like that one moment when someone s labeled you something and you started to believe it. Almost demonically, you can't even break it from your life because it starts to come up and come up again. Because I have one of those moments when, uh, when this word, these words were spoken over me. And every time I think about myself, I have to battle my identity from the words spoken over my life. Over from, from a parent or from a mentor, from someone who taught you, someone who was leading you. They spoke over you. And it was words of death. Or some of us, we don't even need to be spoken words of death. We just kill ourselves. We're like, I suck. I'm the worst. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. I'm an idiot. No one cares for me. I'm so alone. These thoughts, they're not from God. 
they're distractions from your identity. They're distractions from who you were supposed to be to keep you in the chicken life, to keep you forgetting. As long as you're distracted, you start forgetting what you're called to, who you are, whose son you are, whose daughter you are. You are a child of God, like Jen said. So number one, we got to change your thinking, change our thinking, change your thinking right there. See, Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So much of life isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you think about what happens to you. Think about that with me, all right? Stress isn't about what all you have to do. Stress is about what you think about all you have to do. Have you ever been so stressed out and you start doing stuff? You're like, uh, I was done like 10 hours earlier than I thought I was going to be. Stress is the thought of what you're thinking about of what you have to do, right? In, in the words of my favorite prophet, Qui-Gon Jinn from Star Wars, he says, your perception is your reality. Your perception is your reality. What you think and what you believe matters to everything else. So unhealthy, ungodly, unproductive thoughts keep you from the life that God has for you. Because we put our faith in the voices of doubt instead into the voice of God. So your inner thoughts, your inner talk, you, anyone talk to themselves in their heads? I do all the time. I talk to myself out loud, especially when I'm in my car. Yeah, it might seem very weird. But your inner dialogue matters. Is your mind dominated by sinful, negative, critical thoughts? Or is your mind led by the identity that Jesus speaks over you, controlled by his spirit and his words, his truth? Your life, this is a word by Craig Rochelle. He says, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4, it says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So first, you got to tear down strongholds. You got to tear down strongholds in your life, right? You got to call them out. You got to deal with your issues. Church, people, Brothers and sisters, whatever I need to call you, you got to deal with your past. You do. You cannot move forward without dealing with the things that have gone behind you. you got to deal with the things that haunt you. And what that means is pain. But what that means is freedom in Christ. We cannot be light when we're living in the darkness of our past. I mean it. you got to deal with it. Some of us, some of the worst things have happened to us in this room. Some of you guys have gone through just hell. Hell week, right? Hell year. Hell decade. And I'm telling you, until you deal with it, you cannot be free to help other people be free. Until I dealt with my daddy issues. I grew up in so much abuse that my life, I just felt like it started shaping my whole life. Everything that I could see was rage, right? Have you ever been around a kid, like anything goes wrong, they fight? It's because everything they know is to defend themselves. 
because they are hurting so deep inside. Some of us, when you talk to someone and you just talk to someone just a little bit off, right, and they attack, that's not because they're like that. That's because they haven't dealt with some of the wounds that are so deep within them. They think it's their identity. It's not. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That is not you. And don't even claim that's you because we start claiming, oh, that's just me. That's just me. And that's a way of hiding from who we are. Oh, that's, I'm always going to be that way. That's a lie from our enemy. You are not always going to be that way. My life is always going to move in that direction. No, that's absolutely a lie. Why don't we start seeing from the vision that God has for us? And you will be set free to set other people free. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus is calling on your life. you got to tear down strongholds. And you got to start declaring what God says about you. Your life matters. Your work matters. When no one sees you, God sees you. You are no little being. God's not standing back, oh, I see John, I, I see Candace, I, I see Creed. No, God sees you. God loves you. So much. You are the light of the world. And what you cannot see in your life, God sees in your life. And he is so excited. It says when one person, one sinner turns from their way, all of heaven rejoices. And it actually says that God himself rejoices before the angels. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. It says God rejoices in front of the angels. I love that thought in my mind. That when one person, one person turns from their wicked way and run towards God, that God himself is like, do you see my boy? Do you see my girl? You know how loud I am during volleyball games? I am the worst, right? They're like, I thought Asians were quiet. No, we're loud, right? We're Korean, all right? All right? But we're, I'm so super loud at the volleyball games. Sienna's face, she's like, she's like terrified. And Tino and I, we're screaming, right? And we're screaming at people we don't even know, like teammates that she has. I don't, I'm just so proud. I won't go into my craziness, but I'm so proud of my daughter, and God is way more proud of you. Way more proud of you. If no one has told you this week, I want to tell you that God loves you. Loves you. That's the cross. That's the life. That's the resurrection. Jesus did not die on the cross because it was a good idea. He died on the cross because he loves you. God so loves the world that he gave his only son. That as we believe in him and walk within him, that we would walk in this eternal life, not only later, but now. You are the light of the world, and God loves you. There's power in declaring what God has said about you. So we need to proclaim our identity before someone proclaims what they think that we are. We say, no, no, that's not me. That's not me. Sometimes you got to say, no. Sometimes out loud, you'll start saying stuff about yourself, and I have to stop myself out loud. I can't think like, that's a bad idea. No, I say, John, that's just not true. Out loud in the car, I'll say things out loud because it has to come to fruition when I say it out loud. So today, I have some declarations of what God has said on you, said about you, and it's in the back of your programs here. And I want you to take this, and I want you to read it over yourself every day, every day. You wake up tomorrow, you read this. His words are not stress. It's truth. Read it as truth. And we're going to replace our thoughts of our stress with God's truth. So I want us to stand. Let's stand.
And you guys don't need to read the verses, but I just want to go through this and you can, you can catch up with me. Daily declarations. Jesus starts as, I am a child of God. I am a spiritual contributor and not a spiritual consumer. I'm alive. I am faith-filled, life-speaking, fully devoted follower of Christ. I'm a Christ ambassador. I am a masterpiece. I am content in Christ alone. I am chosen. I am determined to love God and people with everything I have. I am strengthened by God who upholds me, protects me, and defends me. I am joyful. Smile a little bit. You guys are frowning. I am gentle. I am not easily offended. I will not hold on to bitterness. I am patient. I am faithful. I am self-controlled. I am kind. I am known even before I was born. I am steady. I am not alone. God is with me. I am loved. I am fierce in confidence and boldness because God is with me. I am free. I am healed. I am unashamed. I am called and equipped to go after the righteous desire God puts in my heart. I am strong. I am fearless. I am secure. I am not a people pleaser because I answer to God first and seek to please Him. I am a new creation. I am not shaken. I am not stuck in worry because Jesus offers peace this world cannot give. I am born again. I am more than a conqueror. I am named by God, not labeled by man. I am the light of the world. I am mighty in His power. And I love this one. I am the church, and I exist for the world. Give God praise. Take a moment. The worship team is going to sing over you, but I want you to take a moment and even look up there. Some of those words you needed to hear today of who you are. Maybe you need to pray today and you have listened to a false identity that is not your identity. I'm telling you, it's not your identity. That these are things that you are in Jesus. Declare it and as you become it. And this is not self-help. This is not you just saying the same thing, I'm good, over and over and over again. This is what God actually says about you. This is truth over our lives. And it's time to open our day with God's truth over our life. God is calling you to a higher place than you've ever believed about yourself. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Just take a moment. Breathe that in. Take a moment.
some of you in this room, I am your father. You need a father. And you feel fatherless today. You feel motherless today. And God is saying, I got you. You're mine. You're mine. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for the people in this room, Lord God, that feel fatherless, Lord God. And motherless, Lord God. Let them know that God is your father and he loves you he is for you you are a child of god and i pray that healing today would begin to flow in this room lord god and flow into our identity lord god and for those of us who are in here who who have a firm identity lord god i pray we move into our identity with christ we move from salvation to sanctification from a moment of salvation to likeness with Jesus. Bring healing today, Lord God, from our identity. Let's take one more moment. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Give God praise. We're, just, we're gonna continue our worship right now with our giving. So if the ushers could please come forward. Thank you guys. You know, last week my my five-year-old son, he says to me, are, are they going to be selling stuff at church this week? And I said, I have no idea, but you don't have any money. You, you owed all, every piece of allowance to your siblings. He was very much in debt this week. And, uh, and he said, no, I have my tithe. And I said, Gavin, you can't spend your tithe on, on cupcakes. I'm sorry. That's not okay. And he's like, I don't get it. I, why can't I spend my tithe? And I said, Gavin, that's the Lord's money. And um, it's hard for a five-year-old to get that concept. And to be perfectly honest, I think it's hard for all of us adults to get that concept too, including myself. And so just as we worship, we just want to give God our gifts with a cheerful heart um, and just thank him because at the end of the day, he owns everything that we have is all from him. So let's just pray. Dear Jesus, God, I just thank you for giving us so many good gifts, God, for our families, for um, roofs over our heads, God, for food that we get to eat. Lord Jesus, you provide everything for us. And so I just pray that you would accept this worship, God, in the form of our giving. I pray that you would take 
this little offering and do big things so that we can reach um, our city for you, God. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Um, I was supposed to give um, the announcement for the baptism, but I, I told John that I couldn't see myself saying the word pilgrimage, so he took it from me and did it himself. But um, it is next Sunday, and um, I just hope that if you've never been baptized, it is, um, it's a form of obedience that fills your life with a lot of joy. Um, growing up in the church, I um, actually had a lot of stubbornness against, against baptism because my mom wanted me to be baptized so badly, and I said, nope, I'm not going to do that. And I just remember when I was 18 years old, I was able to be baptized in the Colorado River, and I just remember being flooded with this sense of um, just feeling God's presence and God's love, and I felt like he was saying, like, this is, this is the gift of obedience. Like, you finally obeyed, and I am meeting you here, and it was, it was very powerful. So if you've never been baptized, um, I hope you can sign up for that. And I also just wanted to let you guys know that we're going to be starting our life groups in about three weeks. It's the first week of October. That's, yes, you guys should be cheering for that because I want you guys all to be there. We have, um, we're going to be offering six groups. Um, three of them are going to be on Friday nights. Three of them are going to be on Sunday nights. And we're going to be getting you guys um, brochures. We had a little technical difficulty, so they will be here next week. So just start preparing your heart for that. And if you're scared or have any apprehension about being in a life group, feel free to talk to myself or any of the leaders. Um, we just really want you guys to feel like you're truly a part of our church. And the best way to do that is by getting to know people. And we do that in life groups. So that's coming up. So mark your calendars. And um, yeah, we're just excited. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your Sunday. All right, Jen's saying I need to pray again, so we're going to pray one last time. <laughs> this is why you don't hand me the mic. Um, dear Jesus, God, we just thank you for meeting us here today. We thank you for being present in our worship, present in John's um, just awesome message, God, present just in our giving. And Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit for just flooding this place today. And I just pray that when we wake up tomorrow morning, God, we will just still feel just as close to you as we do right now and that you would just be with us this week. We love you, Jesus, and in your name, amen.